Alright, so welcome back to the Busted Header Podcast. I am Jacob Hamburg, aka Halbridius. That's where you can find me on Twitter and everywhere else. And I'm joined by the one known only as Webster, who you can find at not the fake webby on Twitter. Not that you really want to. Nope. What's up, Webster? Nothing much. Alright, so it's been a long break. Uh, this is officially busted header number 10, I think. And number nine is never coming out. <laughs> it yep. wasn't good. That one's lost the archives. Uh, and then one of us had a major project to finish mm-hmm. and all sorts of other stuff. So it's been a while. The other person just had life. Lots of life. Welcome back to <laughs> both of us. Yep. Um, I want to take a second and say thank you for all the well wishes people gave me on Twitter and gave, more importantly, my father on Twitter after he suffered a stroke the other day. He's doing great. He's already home. Mm-hmm. We're very happy with that. I just want to say thank you. Happy to hear the good news with that after the, the bad news to start it. Today, we're going to take a break from our kind of normal weekly format because I think everybody <laughs> has a good idea of what's going on and nobody wants to talk about that bullshit. Quotation marks in the weekly there. <laughs> So we're going to tackle the roster quick, um, kind of look at the, the whole of the season, and then do some trade talk, because everybody loves trade talk, and mm-hmm. we just hit the trade season opening deadline. That's not a deadline, season opening date, yep. so Open fun season stuff. has started <laughs> on that one. All right, um, before we get to all the fun stuff, let's go through some some quick news first, though. Mm-hmm. So we've got some injury stuff we're looking at right now. Uh, Blake is kind of basically day-to-day with various leg stuff. You never know if he's playing or not. Christian Wood battling, I guess it's a bone bruise on his knee. Might be a week or so from uh, where we are now on the 20th of December. Yeah. Uh, Reggie Jackson is still being reevaluated. He should be back pretty soon. We're already on reevaluation number two that should be coming out any time now. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, on that so one. I don't, I don't think it'll be more than a week or so before we get good news at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke Kennard battling knee tendonitis might miss the game that's going to go on here in a couple hours against the Celtics. That's basically load management stuff as far as we understand. Um, so he's probably going to miss a couple more games. We should know that we're recording this right before the Pistons Celtics podcast or uh, game True. tips in like an hour or so. So True. If anything happens after that, we can't say anything about it. Um, Kyrie Thomas is on his way back from foot surgery. Should be back. We should be getting an update on him anytime. Um, they'll probably pair that with the Jackson release if I had to guess, because he had foot surgery and he should be back. And that was six weeks ago, and it was a six-week timeline. So, yeah, hopefully he'll be back. We uh, we. Quick update on the Pistons' record. It sucks. I don't want to talk about it. We're 11-17 and heading into Friday, the December uh, 20th game against Boston. We're a game behind the 8th seed, so not out of the playoffs, but we are 8 games behind the 6th seed, which is, I think, where a lot of us kind of felt we were hoping to get to was the 6th. So that's rough. And uh, the Pistons basically need to be at 500 or better to stay anywhere near the hunt for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. So. A lot of big games coming up. With a lot of harder schedule, too, we should know. Yeah, speaking of which, you want to go over the uh, upcoming schedule there quick? Yep, so like we said tonight, uh, we're going to be playing at Boston against the Celtics. Um, we're back tomorrow night, which would be Saturday from when we're recording this, um, for a back-to-back at home against the Bulls, a team that's kind of given us fits so far to start the year. So hopefully we can show up for that one. But fingers crossed with all these injuries. 
Um, on Monday, we continue uh, to play the 76ers. I believe that is home still. Not, that's not in front of Yeah. And then right before Christmas, we play Washington uh, as a Wizards. Day after Christmas. Day after. 26th. I can read a script. Um, Yep. And then finally, we head out to San Antonio on the 28th, which begins a six-game road trip over the New Year's week. Um, Hopefully, we can start it off on a high note with the Spurs there who have been struggling so far, and we beat them pretty handily at home already to start the year. Hopefully. It is a brutal road trip, including a back-to-back on the road. And uh, I think we play both L.A. teams, so... It's going to be a rough one. I think this is the hardest road trip of the year, if I remember correctly. Though it's a little easier because I think one of the games is Golden State. And obviously we all thought that was going to be hard to begin the season. Not really that scary anymore. Yep, a little bit easier when they lose uh, one of the best players in the league in Stephen Curry. Yeah, and Draymond Green is just like magically not playing half the time. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Draymond, uh, he's uh, uh, tired. Yeah. (laughs) That's been weird. I feel like I I turned on the the Warriors games occasionally, and I'll be like, who on earth is playing on this team? <laughs> like, well, you like see, uh, who's, Jordan who's Poole. the There's big a lot of dude they have? Is it the uh, Villanova dude? Is it Spellman? Uh, yeah, Mari Smel- Spellman. Who, like, has, like, a similar body type, and at first glance, you're like, is that yep. Draymond? Oh, nope, it's not Draymond. It's the new kid. Yep, yep. They definitely have overlapping games a little bit, but he's looked actually decent so far to start the year. He's had some fun moments. All right, speaking of fun moments, let's get into Stockwatch. Uh, so we're going to cover the roster pretty quick here um, and just try and feel out where players' values are from like a trade perspective, whether or not players are trending up or down. Mm-hmm. So let's start in the backcourt with the small guys. Reggie Jackson, up or down? Where is he at? Right now, I mean, obviously with him playing, what, all of two games so far this year, uh, I would say it's trending downwards, uh, but that being said, he is still an expiring contract, and he represents probably our biggest, uh, I guess, contract to move. I think he's uh, on the books for close to $19 million this year, uh, but it is expiring. So if there's a team that wants to unload a star, there's someone they're unhappy with, Reggie will be the one to move on <laughs> easily. easily to fill out the, the deal, certainly. Yep. I think I think coming into the season, I was kind of hoping he'd basically repeat last year, and you know he could be moved easily, or we could re-sign him. And now that's it's looking rough. He's definitely spiraling downwards. Yeah, it's just um, sad to see, especially after he finished last year playing all eighty-two games. He was healthy most of the year. Um, didn't really have any problems there. So it's it's kind of sad to see the way the season has gone. But hopefully, we get him back soon. Hopefully, we'll be back at full strength. Nobody ever said sports was fair. Nope. <laughs> um, all right. The other guard, Derek Rose. Where do we feel he's going? I, I feel like he's stayed about even, maybe trending up a little bit. Um, he had a great year last year with the Timberwolves, so it's kind of hard to really uh, be too down on him. Um, and he has had some health concerns that I feel like has kind of weighed that hasn't made it a full uh, trending upwards. Uh, but right now, I'd, I'd give him kind of a pretty flat, maybe a slight incline, uh, because he has shown he's been, you know, insanely efficient for for the Pistons so far this year, and kind of showed what he had last year. It's just a matter of keeping him healthy. Yeah, I think the big thing is we're not really seeing the shooting. We I think everybody kind of hoped, which maybe mm-hmm. deflates just a little bit of it. 
he's he had some rough end of game segments, but he's kind of cleared that up. So yeah, I'd agree. He's he's probably a push uh, compared to where he was for the Timberwolves when he was healthy last season. Mm-hmm. It's probably fair. All right, um, these three guys haven't really played much, but no. uh, do we think Jordan Bone, Tim Frazier, or Kyrie Thomas? Do any of them have any value in a trade at all for you? So Kyrie has zero value at right now he's just kind of an expiring kind of the same way that we um help facilitate that chris paul deal with the shooting guard whose name i can't remember right now is that um, hilliard yeah darren hilliard he's kind of in that, that same kind of spot in my mind where yeah he's young and he's got a potential shot but he's never proved it and especially with his injury right now he's not really going to get a chance to prove it at the moment so right now Kyrie is just salary cap filler with the smallest of Small league uh, salary cap fillers at one point four million. Frazier, uh, kind of in the same boat. He's just kind of an. If he's going to be in a trade, it's going to be just to fill up roster spots and make sure the swap works. I don't think he has any obviously trade value. Um, but Bone, I wouldn't say he has trade value, but he does intrigue me, and I'd definitely say he's trending upwards. He's been doing great uh, in the G League, from what I can see from you and Eli and everyone else uh, tweeting constantly about the G League. <laughs> Look, they're more fun than the Pistons, okay? It's just the truth. <laughs> I mean, the Pistons are definitely one of the hardest teams to watch in the league, I'd say that much, so anything is a little, little on that. side moment here. If you uh, want more on G League stuff, I had a podcast with Laz Jackson two weeks ago now on his uh, yeah. Detroit vs. Everybody podcast where i joined him to talk g league stuff so uh if you want g league takes you can go look for him there <laughs> well yeah but to get back on point yeah bone still he intrigues me i wouldn't say he's someone i want to trade and especially being on a two-way contract i don't know how that really works um but down the road yeah, i don't i don't really know either how that <laughs> tradeability works never really see i i'm sure there's some way to make it happen but for right now i think uh We'll probably just keep him on the two-way for the rest of the year, and hopefully he can make a roster spot next year and maybe have some value down the road. So He's but... in that Svi zone where Svi was last year mm-hmm. with the Lakers, where it's like he's just interesting enough that somebody might throw, you know, that somebody might ask him to be thrown into something. So, yeah. But again, I, I also don't really know how they handle two-way <laughs> trades. And you might have to like sign them to a real deal and then ship them out. Yeah. which might mean having to cut someone to make space, et cetera, et cetera. So that could actually be pretty messy. Yeah, that could um, be interesting to see how that works. <laughs> moving on up the line here, where are we on at with Bruce Brown? Bruce is definitely trending upwards. The way he's been playing recently, especially the way he's been shown that he can handle the ball, he's knocking down corner threes at a pretty you know efficient rate. He's, I think I saw James said he was shooting about 45% or something like that from the corner. Um, so with those... With those skills and kind of the defensive, I think he's kind of picked it up um, recently compared to how he started the year. He seemed kind of lackadaisical on defense, but he's definitely shown to have that acumen on, on defense where he's definitely not a, a, a sleeve by any sense of the word. Uh, he's been shutting you know great players down. If you saw the way he handled James Harden, I think it kind of proves that he's he'll stay in the league definitely for his defense alone. But by the way his offense is trending upwards, the way he's been able to show... Uh, his ball handling and uh, playmaking skills. It's kind of what we were hoping for coming into the season. So I, I say he's definitely trending upwards and maybe not a giant asset. He's not someone that so I think... So what, what do you think his value is? What do you think if we were to just measure it purely in picks? 
if we're saying in picks what, right now. What do you now, think you can get for Bruce Brown? <laughs> Bruce Brown is a late first round pick, I'd say. But obviously the Pistons aren't going to deal him for that. And I don't think there are any teams you, that are really going to You think you get a first for Bruce Brown? I think you get a late first. I think you get a 29th, I, I think 30th. He, I think he's in the two seconds range right now, personally. Yeah. He's somewhere in that zone. And I don't think the Pistons obviously make any deal. Uh, they would need a higher draft pick to get rid of him. And I don't think any other team is going to go out of their way to um, snag him for a first-round pick. I'm, I'd say they'll probably be in like an early second or, like I said, two maybe mid-seconds. Uh, so I don't I don't think – he's not really someone that I think other teams are really necessarily going out of the way to get. Um, but right now he's just worth more to the Pistons than anyone who's going to make an offer for him. So I think that's all fair. Yeah. All right, Luke Kennard. Where are you at with Luke Kennard? <laughs> Luke – Luke, I would say we're saying still trending upwards. Is that what we're doing here? Stockwatch still. So Luke, we're I would, still on Stockwatch. Luke, I would say is still trending upwards. He's still, I mean, scoring at what like set 15, 16 a game. He's scoring efficiently. He's doing it effectively. He's doing a better job at running the offense and kind of facilitating when we've had Reggie out. So I think he's definitely trending upwards in that respect. Uh, for where he's drafted, I think this is what is second year right now, third year. Where am I? Luke Kennard. Second year. Three, right? Is he year three? But yeah, regardless, it's, it's kind of the point where he needs to start showing yeah, these. Yeah, year three. To make sure he's... I don't know why I had a brain fart on that one. Um, but this is kind of the year where he's got to start showing this is going to be the new norm. Uh, for kind of what he is, he's not going to ever be a great defender. Um, he's got to really show it on the offensive end. And I think so far, I wish there was more consistency. And... Now that Blake's back healthy, I'm kind of nervous about how he's going to play around him. And so far, the early results don't feel like I've been too great. So in that respect, I'm still nervous to kind of see. Uh, I need him to take charge a little bit more. Um, but in terms of you know skills and him as an asset, I think he's still probably the biggest asset on this Pistons team, at least going long-term, besides maybe Seku. Um, because with... Dre, of course, on a one-year deal, Blake being up there in age. I think Luke's probably our, our best asset at the moment. So, so again, same question as Bruce. If you had to measure it purely in pick return, what do you think Luke Kennard gets you on the pick market? I'd say probably a mid-first-round pick, late lottery mid-first-round pick, somewhere in that range. Um, probably about where he was drafted, honestly. I think he's... I'd say that's probably, probably fair. Maybe you might be able to ask for another second or, like, you'd probably end up be getting that pick plus a a, a reasonable veteran, something like that, along that is, with it. It is hard to kind of judge that because obviously I don't think Luke Kennard is going to be traded for picks. No, no, <laughs> he, no. He'd be, if he's getting traded, he's getting moved for an established player. And, of course, that's hard to judge. But, but yeah, it's it's a tough one. Where, uh, but he yeah. is, to your point, he is doing the thing you want to see, I think, from a player going into his third year where he's stepped up his scoring with his minutes. So he hasn't he isn't really scoring, I don't think, um, per 36. Yeah, he's not scoring much more per 36 than he did last year. Mm-hmm. But he also, he is scoring more per 36, and he is playing 30 minutes a game now. Yeah. So he's he got 10 minutes a game more, and he's, he's sustained his scoring. He's sustained his shooting. Um, he's drawing a little more free throws. And more importantly, he's doubled his assist rate. So that's really good stuff. And he doubled his assist rate. He, he uh, not his assist rate. His uh, 
His assist percentage went up 6%, okay. which is uh, about 150% of where it was last year, yeah. without increasing his turnover percentage mm-hmm. and without requiring higher usage percentage. So he's doing a better job of facilitating, a better job of finishing, all that stuff. So that's all really good. I think you're right. Luke Kennard's trending pretty healthily upwards. Yeah. Well, the one thing with Luke that I, I do want to see is when Reggie hopefully comes back healthy in the near future. Fingers crossed for that. Um, I kind of want to see how he fits in with that because Reggie, of course, is a pretty ball, a pretty ball dominant point guard. Um, and for Luke to succeed, he's going to need the ball in his hand. So I'd be kind of curious to see how he how he plays after that, how he plays when he has Reggie back in the rotation, taking some of those point guard minutes and taking the ball and kind of I'm not saying not saying hogging it the entire time, but definitely uh, being the person the the ball will go through to go up the court and whatnot. So. It, it's a pretty big, a pretty important task for Dwayne Casey to integrate Reggie back in without screwing anything up. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's got a lot of uh, a lot of things that need to get fixed, etc., etc. So there's maybe a little more leeway in there, honestly, to integrate Reggie. But yeah. it'll definitely be a task. All right. Langston Galloway. Obviously his stock, I think, is probably shooting <laughs> yep. higher than just about anyone else's. Yep. Part of what that, of course, is... Part of that is due to kind of where it was at to start the year. But right now, uh, Langston is a guy, is someone who is, I think, our most intriguing trade asset because he represents a pretty decent salary at $7 million. It's a one-year deal. He's not going to be on a long-term deal. Um, so I'd be kind of curious to see what he can get and where we'd possibly be able to move him. I'm, when I've been kind of looking at some fake trade ideas, I've been kind of looking to a team that's... No spoilers. Don't spoil. I'm not, not going to spoil. But I'm looking to a team that's it's looking for a shooter. And I think he's shown this year that he can definitely do that. Um, and probably someone either on a, a short-term kind of rental or they're trying to get off some salary is what I'm looking at there. But um, for him himself, if you want to judge it by first-round picks, I think he'd be somewhere in like the early to mid-20s first-round pick where that... maybe a bit of an oversell. But for what he means to this team, it would take a lot, I think, to prime away. Uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely the in the a contender wants a shooter and they're willing to give up something that's maybe slightly pricey to get him. I mean, if he's if he can continue this shooting, he's going to demand quite a bit because he's also a pretty good defender. Yeah. Um, all right, Saku Dumbuya. Where's well, his trade value at? <laughs> I mean, I think Saku's trade value kind of stayed about where he was drafted at. Um, you'd probably need, you'd need to get you know a lottery pick uh, or something to that equivalent to get him to prime away from the Pistons, and probably a little bit more just because we haven't had someone with his potential in a long time. Um, in terms of where he's at, I think he's trending upwards cautiously, uh, maybe not as much as maybe some people that watch a lot of the G League, uh, but from the highlights I've seen, it definitely looks like he's holding his own there. And while it is this the G League, I'm very optimistic about you know what this means for him going forward. It's still going to be a project with him, and you probably won't see, you probably won't see him in a big role, maybe until the end of his rookie deal, if not to second contract. But that being said, the the future is still bright with Seku, and uh, we're excited to see what we can get from going forward. So I think both of us would agree you'd rather have Seku than the fifteenth pick. Yeah, it would. It would be. How, what 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 pick number would you go to before you said I want that pick over Seku? The, the tricky thing with that is, of course, looking at the draft class. I know this is supposed to be kind of a weak draft class, so obviously you want something higher. But 
I would say for the for like a typical like draft year, probably it would have to be at least in the ten to twelve range, if not in the single digits. I would say, I would probably see. I'd be going seven, as high nine. as like six. Yeah. You want you want to give me a theoretical player for a guy who's already proven to be, you know, interesting and athletic and all that stuff. Yeah, I I probably want. I think a lot of it six, just, maybe seven. It just depends on the draft class, but yeah, I could definitely see. I think ten is the absolute lowest. Now I think about it a bit more. It's the absolute lowest you can go, but it's got to be like seven, eight, nine, maybe six would be about the upper echelon that you can get for him. Uh, but. Regardless, I don't think it's he's going to be moved anytime soon from the Pistons. He's going to be here in the long haul. All right. Sviatoslav Mikhail. Where are we at? All right. So Svi, I would say he's trending upwards. He's This year, he's finally got a chance to get some rotation minutes, and he's showing um, that he can he can make shots <laughs> better than what he was doing last year on the Lakers. And with him, I think, of course, he's still going to be the, the kind of the guy who uh, – is going to be a shooter. He's going to be kind of coming off screens, hopefully going forward. Um, I don't think he's fully showed as much as I want of that. So for me personally, I, I still am kind of wanting more out of speed, but I think as a whole, he's definitely trending upwards. Um, and I think he's still going to be kind of somebody who'll be on the Pistons for a decent while as well. Um, unless he, I mean, I guess I could see him being kind of like that trade chip at the end where to kind of slide the deal across, we'll give you, you know, speed just to uh, make sure you got the, for the roster spot and making sure that uh, to facilitate a trade to get it past the finish line, I think. Yeah, I uh, I think it's interesting. He's definitely better than he was this time last year when the Pistons traded oh, for yeah. him. 100%. You know, he uh, he's proven now he's shooting 42% from three, so he's, like, proven out that he is a good shooter. But it is kind of interesting is he's still worth more than basically a, a good second-round pick. And I'm not sure he is. Yeah. I, I don't, um, I'm so it's kind of like, I, I think he's definitely proven that he was worth the value the Pistons paid for him last year. Because basically they got him in a second round pick for Reggie Bullock instead of um, maybe getting two seconds for Reggie. Well, so I guess I he mean, probably proved at <laughs> least that value. But I don't know if I could say that because I still would rather have Reggie, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Uh, I mean it as I think the value for Reggie Bullock was either a late first or two seconds. Yeah. I think that's kind of where that was at. I think he's outperformed and, his value at that point where he was right, and for. so I think Sfi's better. I wouldn't say I'd rather. <laughs> I wouldn't say we won that trade still. No, even, no, even I, that is not was. what I meant. I would very much rather have Reggie Bullock right now. Um, Good. All right, so um, that's Sfi. Who's next? Come on, pull up your thing. Uh, yeah, Tony, Tony Snell. Snow. Where are you at? Tony Snell, God, Tony is just, he's offered a lot more in the offensive end than I thought he was going to bring, while at the same time not offering as much defensively as I was hoping he was going to bring. And in terms of his value, I I feel like it's, I think it's gone up since we traded for him, so they had to package a first round pick, and if we ship him off, we won't be packaging any picks with it, it'll be kind of a straight up deal. So I would say his value has gone up in that respect. Um, but for me personally, I'm still kind of frustrated with this game, and I still feel like our, our biggest hole in the team is a wing defender. And what I hoped he would bring, he, I don't think he, I don't feel like he's fully brought that yet. No, he. Um, I think you might be 
uh, how do I put it? I think you might be misconstruing his his value that he had in our well, trade yeah. simply because the Bucks wanted to get. They were off trying to sell the salary. Yeah, I understand that. You know, I don't. I don't think he. I don't think it was like you have to pick a add a pick to get off Tony Snell. You know, that was a, a unique situation. Well, that being said, I mean, another team could have had the opportunity to come in and trade for him without that pick being involved. But obviously, that pick needed to be there to facilitate the trade. So, I feel like at that point, his I, value was definitely where it was at. <laughs> I guess, but I think if you were to just be shopping him around right now, I think there's plenty of people who'd be interested. But you're right, he has been disappointing, as especially as a team defender. I, w- I wasn't expecting that much from him yeah. as a I didn't expect him to be Kawhi guy, <laughs> but his inability to really impact team defense has definitely been disappointing. I'd, I'd say, to be honest with you, he's probably trending down a little bit. Yeah, um, I'd just say me. based on kind of the league run and how important three point shooting is from a you know just a tall guard. A, Tall two three. <laughs> I mean, I'm just basing it on that. The league probably sees, oh, he's six six and shooting whatever percentage he is from three. Uh, he's got to be good. I think I'm basing it more on that than necessarily looking at Fair. in depth on his defense and seeing, you know, kind of the deficiencies and what is, I guess, my expectations versus what I think he is as a player. My expectations, I think, are okay. higher than where he's performed at. All right. Do you think uh, there's any value in talking about what Lewis King is worth at this point? I mean, he's another two-way player. I haven't watched hardly any of the drive besides the clips that you post on Twitter. So <laughs> I feel like I'm not fully qualified to talk about Lewis King. Uh, so I yield my time. Uh, I'll just say that I, he's earned a value to me, but obviously I think as a two-way player, he's still yeah. you know, pretty valueless in the NBA. Um, so let's move on here to the big men. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with, with Morris. How do you feel right. about Chief Keefe? Uh, Markeef, Markeef, Markeef. It's interesting. I feel like he's simultaneously like been what we expected and also still underperformed. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of a conundrum of the way that I look at Markeef. When I when I see him on the floor, I I mean when I'm watching him by himself, I'm not disappointed in what I'm getting from him. I think the main thing is that when I see him on the floor, most of the time I see Christian Wood on the bench. And I'm like, I want that. <laughs> I want more Christian Wood. So I think in that respect, I mean, he's been supplanted, in, in my opinion, by a younger player. So I feel like in that respect, his value is trending downwards. But I don't think he's played particularly awful. I mean, for what we expected and what we paid for. I think he's been, I wouldn't say, he's been okay. He's been serviceable. Yeah, I, th- I think he's pretty much a push, Yeah, especially since he came in off a really rough year with an injury and then the trade to OKC and not really having, um, you know, in, in that respect, it might even be trending upwards. I think if he were on his uh, previous salary at $8 million or whatever it was with um, the Wizards, mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, this is not ideal, and it would be trending downwards. But I think now... Given that he's only making three, three and a half million, mm-hmm. probably has a, a value in a trade. Like I don't think anyone is mad if they get flipped Markeith Morris in a trade. I don't yeah. think anybody's asking for it. But yeah, um, I'm not going to spoil stuff. But I feel like he definitely still has um, values in trades. And I just got a notification that Blake Griffin will sit out tonight, so that's great. So we're going to see a bit of Markeith Morris. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like in that respect, he, I think people are afraid of him they're not afraid to get him at that contract he's still a name he'll still no. have the recognizability 
Um, I think that's not going to scare proven that he's he's like he's shooting well this year. Like he's proven that the injuries didn't destroy him in in any way. So Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't think the league is quite as excited about Markeith Morris as they were in 2014. But um, moving on, Thon Maker. What do you think about Thon Maker? (laughs) 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 Okay, I was debating on on what sound effect to do, but that's about the best (laughs) one I can come up with. All right, moving on to Christian Wood. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, what's the opposite of that? I don't know. Cha-ching? <laughs> Christian Wood has been absolute money for us. And, I mean, I feel like we can go on and on. I feel like we have up to this point in the year. But he's definitely shown his ability to be everything that we wanted, I feel like, and more. He's been able to come in and be like a springy four who is tall enough to kind of cover a five, but you don't really want him there. But at the same time, he's springy and he's all over the place and... He's had the right attitude, which I really think was the biggest thing for him. Um, and I'm ecstatic with what I've gotten from Christian Wood so far. I feel like he's been like our, like obviously Andre is going to be our MVP and Rose has done good and you know, there's so on and so forth. Langston's outperformed expectations, but Christian Wood is definitely that conversation for brightest star so far to start the year. So I think, I don't know how much trade value he necessarily has because he's on a one-year deal, so on and so forth. He hasn't shown enough to prove it, but I, I'm loving Christian Wood. That's that's all I got to say there. <laughs> I'm gushing right now. Well, I wanted to check his salary here, which is 1.6 million. Yep. And my no. God, you have to scroll through a lot of transactions before you get to his salary page <laughs> on Basketball Reference. There's like 50 of the things here. It's weird. Um, he reminds me a lot of uh, kind of Hassan Whiteside when he had bounced around from a million teams and then he landed on the Heat and just something clicked. And I can I've, I feel like we can credit that a little bit to Dwayne Casey. Um, I don't I'm not the biggest supporter of Dwayne Casey, but I feel like kind of his discipline and his uh, experience and tutelage has really helped Christian Wood get on the right track. So kudos to uh, Dwayne there. Well, we've seen a couple of stories come out really about how the biggest thing holding Christian back was maybe his his attitude. Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't know if that was a work ethic thing or I I haven't really read through the stories yet, but um, it was kind of interesting that if that's something that he's really worked on and really been improved on, you know, he's certainly outperforming his contract. He's shooting 43% from three, so he's got a valuable NBA skill. He rebounds the basketball. He's not a good defender, but you have to think that if somebody wanted him in a trade, they would like he has value certainly outperforming his contract oh yeah um with that salary part it's so just so hard to make him something in a trade though well at 1.6 well, yes, million it's yeah, like that makes it really hard you gotta throw him with like um, a, a snell or a galloway just to just to kind of like make it into someone who's worth what he's been showing us so far and what he's been performing so far all right so the two most complex questions here mm-hmm Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. Let's yep. start with Blake. Yep. It pains me to say, but Blake is definitely trending downwards. Um, that being said, what his value is depends a lot on what the ownership group wants to do. If they want to make the playoffs, I'd be hard-pressed to find a trade where you get rid of Blake Griffin and you improve your team. Unless there's someone who's just dying to get Blake, I, I don't really see how you trade him and improve. So I think that's what it boils down a lot to. In terms of his value, it's definitely gone down since last year. Last year he was performing at, obviously, all-NBA caliber. 
he was one of the, the best players in the league last year. And this year, between his health, it just hasn't quite shown that. So while I do think he's got definitely time to kind of show that and bring that around and look a lot better, so far it hasn't been too bright. But who knows, maybe with a little bit more rest. When he has rested, it seems like he's played a little bit more like himself, but he needs a lot of rest to get to that point, it seems like. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody whose trade value has dropped yeah. as precipitously as his has mm-hmm. this year, which sucks. Yeah. But It's definitely been kind of a worst-case scenario there with Blake. In terms of Andre, yeah. Andre is another tough one because he's made it very clear that he's excited to be the bell of the ball at free agency next year. He's going to be the best free agent out there, and it's not really going to be close. Um, and in that respect, it kind of puts the Pistons on notice, of course. I think there's definitely been comments uh, by him publicly and by the team as well that they'd like to keep him back here and he'd like to stay here. But it's going to be a, mon- it's going to be a numbers thing. Um, in terms of Andre, from the beginning of the year, I would say his trade value has gone up. But since last year's trade deadline, of course, with him just being on the one-year deal, um, it's gone down in that respect. But he's been absolutely killing it on the floor, especially defensively, in a way that, you know, since January of last year, he's been an absolutely monster on both sides of the floor, and especially defensively. And with him being 26 years old, I still defend that, if you want to have any semblance of competitive nature for the next couple of years, you have to re-sign Andre. And trading him, I don't think, is going to net nearly the return of what he brings to this team. So, in that respect, so his, trade, tr- his trade has gone down, his value has gone down, but his value to the team is still at an all-time high. See, I think it's the exact opposite. <laughs> oh, really? I, th- I, think his, I think his trade value is skyrocketing, because he's... He, has continued to show that what he did at the end of last year isn't a fluke, right? He's he's continuing to perform. Um, all his metrics defensively are still strong. So he's proving day in, day out that he's the kind of center that he claims to be, that he's, you know, and what he's worth. And in this regard, he... Um, his trade value is dependent on his value to another team that wants to sign him yeah. this summer. So if you're say the Hawks, I guess are the are a team that claims to be, um, or that people think might be might be looking at Andre Drummond that are that kind of fit him. If you're the Hawks, and you say, "Well, we'd like Andre Drummond, and we know that." If it's just a matter of offering him his base max, Detroit will match and, um, you know, maybe give him a little extra and he'll stay there. So they want, you know, they might say, okay, you know what, we'll trade for him. We'll give away, you know, not what Andre would have commanded three years ago, maybe if he were performing like this and still had three years on his contract. But they might feel the need to to trade for him in order to get the leverage with the bird rights to sign him to the contract they want. Um, So I think in that regard, there's actually some, some leverage that he may not have had a year ago or that the Pistons may not have had to in trading Drummond. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's always a little bit of like that mind game there in the value. And I think obviously as a player, certainly his performances are just trending 
if they're not trending up, they're staying stable at a high level. So um, I don't think you can say he's trending down. I would say... Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I agree that he's trending up in that respect. But at the same time, I just don't foresee a team going out of their way to trade for him, especially on the last year of his deal. Well, effect, effectively the last year of his deal. Because you look at the teams that have gone out of the way to do that and got someone before they kind of come to free agency, you look at the Mellow to the Knicks or recently Anthony Davis to the to the uh, Lakers. They've had to pay huge amounts to get off of him or to get uh, the player that they want. And, I don't, I don't I think don't, that's... I don't think Otter's going to command that. I don't think that. that's this situation, but, but I, would, I do think it's... I do think there are things that might be made available to facilitate the trade, you know, effectively as a sign and trade more than anything else. I mean, I guess, you know, if that's the way you look at it and that of course will require the commitment. from. I'm not thinking that someone like Atlanta is going to be like, Oh, three first round picks or three, you know, established veterans. He's not going to bring Anthony Davis level return, but at the same time, and also I think another part of it is I don't think teams, think if they offer him the max um that the pistons will match it i don't feel fully oh, 100% i think sure i think the there should i think if they want him they should be concerned that detroit will outbid them do you think do you really think the hawks are going to trade what what, what would your hypothetical trade be for the hawks what do you think the hawks i don't have know to do to- i it, it i threw that name out there all i know is this tom gores loves andre drummond he does and i love that andre drummond likes being in detroit very Losing good. Andre Drummond for nothing kills this team. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Straight up. It does. So so if you know that Tom Gores wants him, you know that Drummond isn't against Detroit. He's not trying to run away. He just wants to get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't... This isn't an Anthony Davis situation where Anthony Davis wants out. You have to go get Andre. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. So I, in that regard, I think he has more trade leverage where you at least have to convince Tom Gores that, you know, him moving on is better for this team than him being re-signed to a 30-plus million dollar contract. I just think right now with the Pistons, I mean, obviously I feel like, I've said it before this, that they have to re-sign Andre. There's no, <laughs> there's no if, answer, buts no, about it. I, I agree with you. And, but I just don't think the Frog... I'm just not confident that the front office and the ownership feel the same way. I don't feel like they have this in their head that they need to keep Andre there. And especially with how much they're already playing Blake, if they trade Blake, I think it's a whole different story. And then if Blake gets traded, I think teams should, like, this is their chance to get Andre. Because if we trade Blake, I think it's going to be, we're either in full teardown mode, in which case Andre is going to be going for less than what his value is, or we're going to be building around Andre. So I'm just cautious if they want to pay both Andre and Blake and they're going to be an eight seed or out of the playoffs. I just don't, just doesn't feel like they'll do that. Now, of course they can make a deal in the off season. There's still plenty of time for that to get rid of, you know, maybe Blake or do a sign and trade with Andre. But I just, I just can't see Andre being traded during the season for a haul that's going to make the Pistons happy. Well, if they do, basically, they made it clear that the- Andre's not coming. Back. I mean, you're blowing it up, right? That's what you're doing. Yeah. That's what it has so to be. So the Hawks back. actually have a whole bunch of first-round picks. Is it impossible for you to say Chandler Parsons, $25 million, 
and two of the Hawks' first-round picks, maybe including their OKC or their Brooklyn pick that they have for Andre Drummond. You're saying would I accept you know, that? Or were you saying would the Pistons accept that? Because personally, I'm I mean, saying honestly, is, that, is that enough to convince Tom Gores that a future with two first-round picks and without Andre Drummond is better than signing Andre Drummond to a full max contract? How much cocaine is involved? <laughs> well, it's Tom Gores, yeah, so how much it. cocaine do you have? <laughs> I mean... Because, again, I, the, uh... the question isn't... The, the question isn't to me is whatever you get back in a trade worth Andre Drummond. Mm -hmm. It's, is it worth slightly more than the difference between Andre Drummond at 25 million a year and Andre Drummond at 32 million a year? Yeah. Cause that's the question. And that's what you have to convince people that difference is worth. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so let's uh, let's move on here. We've talked about I think every one of these play, uh, players and where we think kind of their stock is. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to trade machine season. Yep. The Bill Simmons Memorial Trade Machine. <laughs> so December fifteenth has come and gone. That means we've officially reached the opening day for trade season because contracts signed over this summer can now be traded which is like a third of the league is now eligible to be traded. <laughs> so Webster has prepped, I don't even know how many trades, and uh, you're going to have to convince me that these are valid trades. Let's go. So I got three trades here right now. Um, and a couple more players where, where if, you know, if something happens and they become especially available, I think you move a lot to get them. So the first trade, I'm going to kind of build up in terms of I guess, size of the trades. Okay. The first one I got here is going to be the Pistons and the Spurs. So okay. on the Pistons side, I'm only giving up Langston Galloway. I'm just giving up Langston Galloway. All right. And while he's been productive for the Pistons, he plays, I feel like, a spot that kind of overlaps with a lot of our other talent. And ideally, you make this trade knowing, you know, Reggie's going to come back. He's going to take some of the minutes at the guard position. We're going to move Bruce and Luke over a bit more to play the shooting guard position. Um, and we need someone who can be another wing defender. And I'm going to go get, I know this name might not be the greatest, Damari Carroll. Someone who got signed over the offseason to a pretty pretty decent-sized contract. He's getting paid three years, $7 million per. So pretty pretty decent one, but it matches Galloway almost to a T. Um, and I'm also making the Spurs throw in a 2020 second-round pick. Uh, just to move things along. I think with that, it brings us another wing defender, maybe a little bit more than what Tony Snell can bring. Uh, Carroll has had definitely a subpar year by his standards, but he hasn't played a whole lot of minutes on the Spurs, uh, which I think is something that he's voiced in the media and been kind of frustrated about. Um, and Pop has said that he's a good guy, but they have a lot of people in front of him at the moment. Uh, so I think with the amount of money that he's got on the books, uh, to kind of flip Langston as an expiring contract into someone who's going to be around for a couple of years and maybe can fulfill the role that I was hoping Tony Snell was going to kind of fill in that um, that wing defender. Um, and also have the ability to kind of play a little bit of three, move into the four if you want to play a small ball lineup as well. Um, I kind of like what Demari Carroll can bring to the table and hope that he kind of resurrects a little bit of his value and kind of turns his year around on the Pistons. I'm going to say veto. Of course you are. 
Well, I, I'm sorry. He's shooting 25% from yeah. three on the year. He's playing... After shooting 34% the last year, his career highs, uh, 39% were several years ago. He's 33. I just, I'm scared that over the next two years he becomes a nothing and then we've got another 14 million committed to him. I think you can do better for Langston. I think we can definitely do better for Langston. You'll see a couple more later on that I'm a little more intrigued about. This is just trying to find someone who I think we can get good value on. I don't feel like, I feel like maybe the Pistons are rating Langston a little bit higher than maybe some other teams do. Originally, I had done this to try and get Rudy Gay, but then I kind of realized how much, um, even off the bench, he kind of means to the Spurs right now. I think he's off the bench. He might yeah, I don't starting. think that's happening. But Carroll was another person who I feel like is definitely underperforming and someone that we could get off a roster and get a and get a second round pick um, as well with it to kind of give us. A uh, second round pick going into this draft, which you don't have right now. I feel I feel like this is the super disappointing version of the Reggie Bullock trade, which was already super <laughs> disappointing. I mean, yeah, but I feel like when we get like rid Demari of Reggie, we... Carroll is not as is not even as exciting or interesting to me as Fee was. So, Demari Carroll last year on the last couple of years in the Nets, I feel like was he was decent. He was shooting a decent clip from three, but this year he's getting eleven minutes a game. He's played in eleven games so far. He's barely been into play, so I feel like he's still got a little and bit more. And they need thing. bodies, so I think that says a lot about Damari Carroll that he can't even break into a bad Spurs rotation. I mean, you could say that, but he was breaking into the Nets rotation last year. He was pretty good too. So, uh, moving on. All right, next, next trade. So this one um, is going to involve. You kind of see a trend here. Another disappointing Western Conference team. <clears throat> this one's for a name that's kind of floated around a bit. I know is a name that Pistons fans especially have been kind of wanting for a while. Um, so this is going to be a trade for Robert Covington uh, for the Pistons. Uh, once again, I'm giving up Langston, who, like I said, will be kind of a trend in all these. Uh, Mark Keefe and a 2020 first-round pick. In this trade, I'm kind of selling the Timberwolves on, you know, moving away um, from Covington, kind of freeing up some more minutes for Wiggins and for Culver as well, uh, giving them someone at Langston who can play the two, where they can play Culver at the three. Um, and Wiggins there as well. And Markeith, who can kind of cover at the four, which is where I think some of Covington's bins are coming from. In addition, you're giving them the 2020 first-round pick, which being in the West is always important. Um, I know it's kind of hard to give up that, but I feel like Robert Covington's a player that's worth uh, doing that for. What do you think? Well, I like Rocco. I don't necessarily think that's bad value. I'm not, I'm not sure the Wolves take it. Yeah. I'm also not sure I want to give up the first. Um, I kind of based that you know, on this. I'm being trying a... to decide in my head whether or not Rocco gives you. You know, does Rocco make you play significantly over 500 basketball and get you into the sixth seed? If it, if you think he does, then I guess you probably pull that trigger. If you think he doesn't, then I probably want the pick. I just don't feel like. But this I don't. Draft I don't hate it for worth. either person for either side. So I guess it's not a bad trade in that regard. So congratulations on that. Yeah. For this one, I feel like I was still kind of workshopping this one before we got into the pod. I'm still not fully sold, and especially from the Timberwolves' perspective, I feel like they could probably get a little bit more for Rocco, um, and especially considering what they that was kind of the main thing they traded for Jimmy Butler. I don't know if you're if you're getting a first round pick, especially if you're not putting like lottery protection on the pick. You know, maybe you, you put top eight. I think there, protection or something. I, I didn't but... kind of go into it, but I think there should definitely be. You know, some lottery protection to start. Or maybe there should be, but lottery or top you probably won't be able to get full lottery. You might be able to get top 10. Either way, that's 
But I'm not I'm not too sold on this draft class this year. So I'm not as long as we don't absolutely tank out, which obviously there should be some protection in the pick regardless. As long as we don't tank out and end up having like a top five pick, I'm not too sold on most of the people in kind of the mid round this pick so far. This draft. I'm not gonna lie to you, I actually really like a lot of the people in the mid round of this draft class. Of course you do, but you go against everyone else who isn't liked it so far from what I've seen. Uh, everyone else says if you're not Zion, you're not worth shit, and I don't care about their opinion. <laughs> That's not that's not how you build the team. I'm sorry. I don't these all every time everyone complains about a weak draft class class, what they mean is I don't feel like sorting my draft board between a bunch of people I don't love. And that's all they really mean. That's you know it's it's a whole bunch of players that they that they don't know how to rank them mm-hmm. and so they just say it's a weak draft class because nobody stands out. <laughs> and that's not really how you should be thinking of of things. You know, that's kind of the big board culture hurting you mm. in a way and i'm just not here for it yeah. um more on the draft right, give, me your, give me your third pick or mm. your third trade rather so the third trade is going to be definitely a moving in a different direction trade for the pistons for this trade it's obviously this trade i don't think it could definitely happen right now it had to be something down the road um, where we see a little bit of a change in the players um, so for this trade the pistons are going to be giving up blake griffin langston galloway and Kyrie thomas in return, we're going to be getting Kent Bazemore, Yusuf Nurkic, and Anthony Tolliver, plus a first-round pick in 2020. And I still feel like this is one where I think I was going in between on whether there should be a second first-round pick involved, but I think with the way that Blake is playing right now, I don't think we can realistically offer any more than that. Uh, so, so what 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 is the point of this? Are you trying to is you, are you getting off money sooner? Is that how the contracts work out? Yes, so you're getting off money sooner. I believe Bazemore is on an expiring deal. Nurkic, I think, still has a two- or three-year deal, but is only $11 million. It's small money. Um, and then, of course, Tolliver's Tolliver. So um, in that respect, um, you're getting off Blake's contract. You're giving Nurkic as insurance in case you do decide to deal Drummond. Um, and you're getting the first-round pick. That's, I mean, obviously... I'd probably put like some protections or something on that pick the other way around where we make sure it's not like keep it top 20, um, top 20 or below kind of the backwards protection on it. Um, but in that respect, just trying to get, just trying to get off Blake's money. If we think he's maybe got one more year and then his knees aren't going to make it. it I guess I understand. It feels like this is kind of our reset back to, before the Tobias Blake trade, mm-hmm. so I guess I understand it from that. But it's it's ugly. I don't I don't want I don't it. want it. I don't time, want it. It's, it's an ugly timeline. But I guess I don't. This is kind of a dark. I don't timeline. hate it. I can see what I can see why the Blazers would think about it if Blake had a couple weeks of healthiness and they were a little desperate. Yeah. Uh, do you know? Does that who who ends up with more money in that regard? Like uh, not future money, but just like higher cap. Period, because the Blazers, Blazers are the highest. Blazers are very high money. Salary. I think. I think it's nearly. Even. Let me let me pull it up and see here. So I think if they were to do it, I think the one thing the Blazers would want to do is give up, like maybe even money. more salary and try and make you know say Detroit if you're going to do this take you know because uh, Bazemore's is done this year right he's the he's a one year thing. Okay, but still not, not so, great. Cause, it's still because I I would think if possible they would try and get the Pistons to eat some of the tax this year. So, um, cause, that's cause the concern it, that it's 25% definitely... leeway. Uh, something like that. Um, 
but yeah, if they, if they do that, then that's definitely got to be Whiteside involved in the trade, which I was trying to, I guess, avoid. Because he's been pretty good for them so far. Like, he hasn't been awful. People are yeah, just but they like Nurkic there. better. I mean, they do like Nurkic, but I'm trying to... In this trade, I'm signed to say they go all in. This is like, they go all in for this year, essentially. Um, they kind of make a push saying, okay, the Warriors are hurt. I'm not really... They're not sold in Lakers and Clippers. I think they have a chance to kind of dethrone everyone yeah, else. Yeah, so the, in your trade, the Pistons are eating about $300,000. Uh, no. No. It's the other way around. The Blazers yeah. are eating yeah. about... 0.3 million dollars more so yeah i think this would definitely uh, yeah, be a trade I, where tolliver depending on what they want to do i was also looking at maybe getting a zach collins back as well um who would be a no decent you're not money, getting but you're not getting collins out of that yeah this, i don't think this, there's any this way this would have money. to be purely a salary thing for detroit and kind of a gamble for yeah i don't know it's ugly i don't like it but yeah it's also something that like i think both teams might feel the need to shake things up i yeah that's a hard we, one. I think the Blazers would like that if, if Blake does show that he's got a little bit more juice in him. But the yeah, you, you need a, a month where Blake plays thirteen out of fourteen games or something for that to yeah even think about happening. That's why I want. Right, you got anything else for us? That's all the ones I got right now. The two players that I'm I'm like keeping an eye on and kind of like curiously circling if teams decide to you know cut bait on a young player. The two, of course, uh, one is going to be Aaron Gordon of the Magic, and the other one is Gary Harris. One of my one true loves on the Nuggets. Two players I think who are having kind of rough yeah, years to start. A lot of money. Like I don't know how to do it because yeah. Blake needs to move. If you got to send Blake somewhere else. Essentially, yeah, that's that's the tricky part with that. So I don't know how that would work exactly, unless they just are enamored by Blake Griffin, which I don't see. So that one would require a lot of back and forth leeway. But I think Gary, especially, would be someone who'd be pretty useful for this team. I just don't know what it would take to get him i guess <laughs> all right so i got a couple of things here how many times first has Don being moved a lot good uh the first one langston galloway thon maker for bogdan bogdanovich i like that trade for us i do not like it on the other side though <laughs> i don't think they want to I, I think his contract is up i don't think they necessarily may uh want to pay him much more than he's making now which is i think eight million yeah his contract's up in two years so you get a little bit of shooting. They get Thonmaker, who's a long boy. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Pistons throw in like a second rounder to make things a little juicier. They get a, a small forward who can switch a couple positions and shoot and do some things. I just I just don't see him moving Bogdanovich. I think he's been too useful for them so far this year. And I, I honestly, I don't think last I heard that they were like, I think they like him. I don't want to say they don't, but I don't think they were like, oh, Bogdan is the guy that has to be. That has to be around. Um, all right. Thon Maker for Dwayne Bacon and Cody Martin. Because I like the Martin twins. Yeah. I don't like Thon. And I think you can scam the crap out of Michael Jordan. I, Good plan or great plan? I mean, I love the plan. I don't think they're trading any of the Martins for him. But I, I love the I love the I idea. like the Martins. Well, I like one of the Martins. The other yeah. Martin I, comes and goes. Yeah. I mean, also bacon. I think yeah, bacon is definitely the if you could if you do it without uh, the Martins and just go off bacon. I think that would be a trade that would be in the realm of possibility. Uh, that being said, you'd have to really fucking talk Michael Jordan into uh, Thon Maker because Dwayne Bacon has been very underperforming Look, this year. And Michael he's Jordan still... talked himself into Frank Kaminsky 
We're not going to mention the fact that I also talked to myself into Frank Kaminsky, but he I talked also himself with into Frank, Frank Kaminsky. Kaminsky. We were all on the Frank Kaminsky train, but now what? <laughs> the, problem is, the problem is Thon makes three and a half million, which makes him incredibly hard to trade for all these like little bitty pieces. Yeah. All right. Trade number two. Mm-hmm. Trade number three. Three. Thon and Langston for Al Farouk Amino on the Magic. This is we the trade. the Magic like long boys. Yeah. This is the uh, trade Langston that you said Gallery earlier. Fits them. That I like. And I like Al Farouk Aminu and what he could do for us. I, I think they like Al Farouk Aminu a lot, but like, ooh, Thon's long. Yeah. He's got the long. Al Farouk Aminu is definitely someone who, if uh, if Aaron Gordon kind of turns it around this year, I think that'll make him a little bit expendable. And now, while I do think they like Aminu a lot, and he probably hasn't, I don't think he's, li- I don't think he's been great this year. I don't feel like he's lived up to the expectations when they signed him this offseason. But that's one where I think he's gettable. It won't cost you a pick. It won't cost you anything too important. If you can do some kind of trade with Langston and whatever else, I don't know if anyone wants to take Thon at the moment. Uh, but if you can do Langston plus someone else, or if I don't know if the salary is matched too well. Um, but I feel like a Langston for Aminu makes sense for both teams, and that'd be nice from the Pistons' perspective. All right. One last one for you. Mm-hmm. Langston Galloway again. Yep. For Raul Neto, Furkan Korkmaz, and Zaire Smith off the Sixers. So you give the Sixers shooting and defense that they need. Yeah. And basically you're getting a gamble on Zaire Smith. Yeah. I think that's a trade deadline trade. I think that's a we're getting to the deadline. We're at the we're at the nine, we're maybe at the eight spot, somewhere in that range, where we don't want to re-sign Langston, we gotta get rid of him. I think the Sixers will definitely want him. I think he's from Philly, right? Or he's from that area? I don't remember. I think I saw it. I think I remember seeing that. So I feel like if, you know, we're trying to... If there's a if, if there's a guy who's open on the market, I think Langston would definitely be that person who's available for, like, a young, talented guy. The same way that we saw Reggie last year. So in that respect, that trade, I think it makes sense. And I like it in that respect if we're... Just saying, you know, whatever happens this year, whatever, we're not signing Langston. We need to get something for him. Then that respect, I do like it. But that, that has to be something that needs to be evaluated a couple months down the road. Okay. Just for the record, uh, you were right in that he is from Philly in that he played basketball at St. Joe's. Where did He's he from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, how did I forget that? We were just talking yeah. about his homecoming the other day. Yeah. I, I knew I knew he was from down south somewhere. That's weird. I don't know where I got filled in my mind from then. Who am I thinking of? <laughs> well, he played at St. Joe's. Yeah, I so. mean, I guess, but... <laughs> spent a couple of years in Philly. All right. Um, you got any more trades for us? I think that's about it for now. I'm still sitting here typing stuff to get Gary Harris the Pistons, but beyond <laughs> that... So what, what we're learning is that, much like uh, Bill Simmons mentioned the other day, <laughs> it sucks trading in this it is, environment it because... It's awful. It's awful because uh, everyone is worth either $1 million or $22 million and there's nothing in between. Um, okay. Player dedication, outro, all that jazz. Mm-hmm. And then we leave. <laughs> oh my so, I'm going to be honest. I did not look at the you docket. Want, you want to s- handle this one? I did not look at the docket to see... <laughs> <laughs> what you started with, and it is quite beautiful. I'm going to give it to you because you wrote it, so all yours. 
<laughs> All right, so today's podcast is dedicated to Mikel Arteta, the man who is going to save Lord and Arsenal Savior. Football Club, the Lego-haired wonder boy. Yep, yep. Uh-huh. Okay, so really, we're going to dedicate this to Rashid Wallace, who was uh, obviously traded for, which is why he gets today's nod, because this is the trade pod. So, um, she'd start at UNC. He was drafted into the NBA in the 95 draft by the Bullets, which I forgot he was a Bullet originally. Uh, he was traded to Portland a year later for Harvey Grant and Rod Strickland. In Portland, Wallace was part of the famous Jailblazers Corps, a uh, chaotic cauldron of talent that got to the playoffs a couple times but never got out of the first round. Uh, Wallace then got traded to Atlanta midway through the 2003-2004 season for Sharif Abdur-Rahim, Dan Dickow, and Theo Ratliff. He played one game for them. Somehow played 42 minutes in that game. I mean, put it all on the line there. Mm-hmm. Uh, before being flipped 10 days later, February 19, to Detroit as part of a three-team trade, uh, included Mike James. I have the list of stuff here, but it's a messy trade. Y'all probably know it anyway. Um, <laughs> so as a member of the Pistons, she obviously brought in the 04 title, helped us stay contenders deep into the 2000s. Uh, famous for his technical fouls, his boisterous personality, but he was also incredibly gifted talent, uh, very athletic, very coordinated. He was kind of famously able to shoot and finish with both hands. Uh, always did those. Was it was it half court shots or three point shots with like both balls and both hands? You, um, I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. You don't remember that? That was always one of his pregame things. Was he would shoot? He would put a ball in his left hand and a ball in his right hand, and he'd shoot I think this was one and then the other. I'm literally watching a video on it right now. <laughs> I'm doing trick shots with the three pointer. okay i think it was three points so um you know and despite being thought of as kind of a goofball obviously and a crazy zany personality wallace was an incredibly intelligent defender and uh, helped form one of the nastiest and most versatile two-way teams of his era so uh thoughts on sheed he had so many like great goats hashtag ctc cut that check cut the check we're just playing basketball man we're just playing basketball just playing basketball both teams played hard also famous for his bald spot yeah (laughs) which made him extremely recognizable on the court no matter what especially in the era era of low def television you're also forgetting the giant shoulder tattoo of the sun he had (laughs) that not forgetting that at all (laughs) just neglected to mention it that also was a pretty easy indicator for who it is seared into my brain ah she is one of my favorite pistons Chauncey, I think, takes the cake for being, like, the team leader, the MVP, yada, yada, yada. Cheetah was the one who I, I came to see. Cheetah was the guy who was entertaining. <laughs> you uh, knew he was going to give you something. Yeah. You didn't know what it was going to be. It might not even have been good basketball, because for for all the things we love about Sheed, there he was not a stat stuffer by any means. Like, no. he was always like, ah, it's 14 points a game or something, but always fun. He was someone who was kind of always in the right place. He was incredibly smart on the offensive and defensive end. And for that, I, I think there are very few players like Sheed in that respect alone. And that's before you get to his personality and all that. Um, but as a guy, he, he was always he was kind of an up-and-down player. Um, you never know if he was going to get you know a technical foul on a game that was already Two over. Two technical fouls. Two technical fouls. <laughs> or if you he knew was, he was going to get one, it was a question of whether or not he was going to get the second. <laughs> or if he was going to, you know, toss up a three-quarter shot to win the game. You never know what you're going to get from Sheen. And I loved him. And like I said, he's one of my favorite Pistons to watch. Um, and I will forever be happy that he 
kind of came into my life in that Pistons team. And especially won a title with the Pistons as well. So it's nice to call him that. He'll probably never get his... Get you know, a ring! He'll never get his name probably retired by the Pistons. He'll never... you never see his jersey up on the Raptors, but he's someone who I think every single Pistons fan who watched during that period will always remember Sheed and will always love him. All right. So, um, let's see. Do we have anything we need to uh, announce, discuss? I want to say again, thanks for all the uh, well wishes, everybody. That was awesome. Um, no, the tapes for podcast number nine are never coming out. We are not releasing the tapes. Gone forever. Um, actually, well, if someone raises we enough money, we'll to... sell it, but no one's going to put any money to us. So, well, yeah, I take that back. I will sell out immediately. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be that much money. Yeah. Like, we're, we're not talking we're like Wu-Tang secret album here. Like just, you know, we're not, we're not saying, a whole well, thing. actually, no, if you want to do Wu-Tang secret album, if you stuff, want you're, to, you're we're, more we're than welcome, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> we'll take whatever. Yeah. We're cheap. So hopefully we uh we have a better uh, schedule here moving forward. So I'm no longer staying up, you know, 19 hours a day or anything. So I'm yeah. still all over the place, but that's just kind of my life. Yeah, so. you're a mess. But you're <laughs> always a mess. Once you can chain me down occasionally, get a podcast in. So we'll try and do something a little bit more structured, a little bit more reoccurring. But I think with these special topics, I think we like that a little bit better. So we'll see what we can do. All right. So we'll see you guys probably once more at least over the holiday break i'm thinking we'll do another soccer pod yes, as well i should probably say that yep uh, i don't know if you're gonna join Spoiler. parks and i for that one but parks will be here i'll see what i can for do. something we'll see we'll see what happens yeah. all right so we'll see y'all soon all right bye-bye see you guys Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.